it's um, welcome everyone. Uh, if you are just joining us, uh, this is my space, and I'm hosting it on behalf of Amigo. Uh, we are talking about um, creative industry in the southeast. We're exploring the uh, opportunities therein. We are looking at so many things that we can do. We can, you know, um, how we can make it better for ourselves. We've been doing this for three seasons now. This is the third episode, and I should say, and um, all of them are all recorded. If you want to hear the previous episode or what we've said before, go straight to Amigo um, page. You can check their podcast, um, their, their Spotify, YouTube, and other platforms where they you can go and listen, right? So we have all the things right there. Now, speaking of Amigo, Amigo is a platform that is based in Southeast that showcases the the creative industry from the southeast you know it is the digital gateway of um, entertainment from the southeast theme arts culture and of course the conversation around it right so if you have not been following the page kindly go and follow and share whatever they are doing and of course support if you can so um today and uh, just like we have always uh, had we are going to be talking about something you know subtopic within this uh general topic which is um, the exploring the creative industry uh with me here is chuka chuka is um, a solutions is a solution strategist um he's also a musicpreneur and talent developer and of course a serial entrepreneur he's a musical guru he understands the industry he knows the industry in and out you are going to learn a whole lot of things from him. So if you are just joining us, uh, please kindly do us a favor. Share this uh, space on your TL, on your WhatsApp, to your friends. If you know any person in the creative industry, you know, up and coming artists, DJ, music, producer, whoever you know that is in the industry, just kindly um, share this page and um, bring the person on stage so that the person will learn one or two things or make contribution, all right? So um, once again, I welcome all of you. You already know my name. My name is Uche, um, also known as a number of his son. So I am your host tonight. And so what do we have today for you guys? Of course, um, we've discussed a couple of things. First, the first episode, we sent out our discussion on the history, the background on the creative industry, where it started and the, the people that played important parts in the music industry in the Southeast at, the, at that time. And um, the roles everyone played, we mentioned, you know, we recollected and, of course, analyzed how it happened. Then the second episode, we talked more about the media and the bro and how they can work together with the creatives and achieve the common purpose. We explored and we had different dynamics, opinions, suggestions, um, like we always have, we, we work on suggestions, we work on idea criticism too, because we want to improve on what we are doing. So what we are here, you know, what we are here for is to explore, to think together, to reason alike, and come up with a, a better strategy on how to pursue this cause. Because what we want is to have a, um, a very successful, vibrant um, entertainment industry, creative industry, uh, whichever industry um, there is in creativity um, in the Southeast. So what we are looking at is better ways to go around it. If you have ideas, you have opinion, 
this is the best place you can put that. Just best believe that whatever we're going to be discussing today is going to be recorded um, and well put in, out there through our channel, the Spotify, where you can go and listen at every point. So it is a very wonderful um, a program that is packaged, brought to you by Amigu. Welcome once again. Uh, if you are just joining us, kindly share the page, um, share the, the space on your timeline. Tell everyone, tell everyone to tell a friend. And um, you're welcome. Let me reintroduce ourselves. Um, of course, first off, my name is Uche Okoye. I'm the host and also known as an Ambrose Fesson, right? And um, I'm here to represent the Amegu. Amegu is a digital gateway to Igbo entertainment, generally Southeast entertainment, and talent, music, film, and arts and culture, all right? We, this is a platform where we engage on topical issues that you know, you know, involves um, creativity, right? Um, whatever issue that you think that you want to discuss. The other day when we were talking, someone brought issue of payola, brought issue of management in many radio stations. So we trust it, we talked about it, and uh, this is the best place you can always bring such ideas and suggestions. So feel free to bring up your opinion, your ideas, and whatever you have. So the today, just like we always have, we have um, uh, our guest, Chuka. Chuka is a solution strategist. He's a musicpreneur. Um, very wonderful talent developer and, of course, a serial entrepreneur. He's also a music expert, right? So he's here to give us um, breakdown analysis on the everything you need to know, right, in the in music industry, industry, in the entertainment industry as general, right? So let's delve straight to what we have today. So, of course, um, we are going to be looking at um, um, what's we have um that is where we are going to be centered on um we have so many things that are bedeviling our industry right um we have sponsorship we have people who are um i should say who are the stakeholders who do not even know what to do or how to go about it right so but what we have to talk about today is uh, labels and um and other things that are involved in labels and music and music management generally. So that is the topic that will be centered on, but we'll be taking it um, step by step. Um, so let's take us back to what labels and media firms were like years back. And maybe we'll start from there. Chuka, what was it like, um, media firms? And what was it like at the time, during the time of, um, starting from say, Osadebe time, let's, explore how it was like so let's see how it's going to be like or how it is like today okay uh good evening everybody uh, once again i'm happy to be here it's interesting what we're doing here it might look small right now but i think it's something that can turn into a major movement and uh, it's always interesting when people are gathered with the same interest trying to fix problems, um, create change, uh, spur up development for certain areas of uh, human endeavor, especially when it concerns something we're doing here in Africa for ourselves, because we, are, we have spent a lot of time complaining about a lot of things, and it's easier to complain, but when it's time to get our hands dirty and uh, put in some work, that's where the 
the real thing happens, you know. So I'm happy, I'm encouraged anytime I see this, and uh, I'm proud to see to be part of this. Uh, for the music industry, well, uh, it's always a little. It makes, makes me smile whenever which says that I uh, he would like me to take us back to what happened in the music industry. It makes me feel like I was a producer at that time or something like that. But I understand where he's coming from. We we our music industry in Nigeria has come a long way. Like I said, the first time we talked about this, it has come a long way, and a lot of things have changed. You know, um, the music business itself has evolved severally, but the major evolution happened a few years ago, maybe over a decade ago, two decades ago. Yeah, but before then, the business was quite different. And uh, talking about record labels. We didn't have a lot of them when these guys were around. We had just a few. And then we had a lot of uh, foreign influence, European influence, Western influence generally. ARs from America, from the UK, then the media from America and the UK. Then came the labels also. Uh, 50s and 60s, we had several artists who were able to pull some weight because, I mean, Nigeria was under the... the um, governance of uh, the UK government. So we, were, we weren't to, um, particularly in control of our entertainment. So it was easier for them to synergize with the UK-based um, record labels and European record labels generally. We had some kind of outlets because they were coming in here and we were going out there. So we had certain people who were able to do what they were able to do. People like uh, Res Lawson, people like... Um, um, I.K. Dairo, that is Paul Place's dad. Uh, people like, uh, I'm trying to remember somebody that was really, really huge. Um, there are a few artists at that time, the 50s and 60s, who pulled some weight. And they, they didn't do that on their own. They did that with the influence and help of those record labels and recognitions from the media, especially foreign media. But these guys were the ones who started this whole thing, you know, who did the first um, set of music that was made uh, as 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 a business when it became a profession, you know, for recording music. But after that, we started having something happen in the southeast, where we had the likes of Osadebe, Salesen Oku, um, Mike Ejara. These guys actually did a lot even before the war. Some of them did a lot, you know. But it wasn't so obvious. It wasn't so prominent as as it became more prevalent when the war ended and then the war birthed something for the Southeast, especially, you know, the, the war kind of dictated the way music was made. It inspired the message coming from the artists because they understood that there was a, a responsibility. There was an obligation to inspire the people who are wounded, who are trying to heal and recover from all the losses and the pain and the, you know, all that, the, all that happened during the war. So that kind of turned around a lot of things for certain producers and music makers, especially the likes of Osadebe and uh, Celeste Noko and the likes. But, but we, we, we the, it, it didn't just happen on its own, you know, it took, it took some help because at that time, there were record labels who were trying to do some things in Nigeria, but the most important record label that did a lot to help these guys come out. And not, it wasn't just 
the, um, the ones I mentioned, but also some of the artists from the from the western part of Nigeria, the likes of uh, Aikidero continued, Ebenezer Bay also came in, and um, a lot of other artists. Then later on, the likes of uh, Sonia Day came in. You know, there were record labels like RCA then. There are also record labels like EMI. But the main thing that changed everything was when a Nigerian record label emerged in Lagos called Premier Records. This was in the early 70s. And that record label signed a lot of the artists. Eventually, as they were growing, you know, it started like an independent record label, but with support and with some efforts by the people who started it, it was able to grow. Signed people like Osadebe, eventually signed Oliver the Coke, signed people like Onye Kaonwenu, and then into the 90s, signed uh, um, I remember his name, because these guys came a long time ago, but they signed a lot of people, um, guys from the West, guys from the East, you know, because it was the, it was the biggest at that time. Then, later on, we had the likes of uh, um, Tabansi Records, and then came one record label that some of you might remember seeing their videos called uh, um, Rogers All Stars. It was based in on the chat at some point, moved to Oka. That's where you had the guys, uh, guys like uh, Bright Chimezie come out from. And then some and people like God Ezike and a lot of others. Oliver the Cook also was under Premier Records. So I would say that Premier Records was one of the foremost record labels in the front line in the 70s and 80s that gave uh, that support that boosted the music industry in Nigeria as an indigenous record label. Apart from Tabansi and Roger Solstad, it was a huge guy. It was what Kenny's music was in the late 90s and early 2000s was what um, Premier Records did in the 70s and 80s and into the 90s, you know, before everything changed because of the military rule, yeah. So to answer your question, I think it was it was primarily the Premier Records effort and others around it that actually turned things around and started this, this whole thing called music industry. And at that time, it was a lot more, okay, I wouldn't say it was more organized, but it was a different business. It was tougher. You know, it was, it was, it required much more funding. And the people who were in the business were more of professionals. Either people who have worked under a record label or under a management company or as an uh, as um, A and R or in the media, coming together to to run stuff like it should be run, you know. And then some were also producers, songwriters, band leaders. So these guys knew what the music industry was all about. So it was it was easier to actually build something formidable with the support that came at that time, unlike what we have in this dispensation. It was different at that time. So it's, but the business was different. Yeah, Chuka, it's interesting, really, because uh, when you look at uh, what we have today, it's basically um, what we have today is just a name, a name called record label without the necessary structure or the, the professionals or A&R. These are the necessary things you need to have. The professionals that need to be there, you know, to guide an artist, to, you know, to project a you know, brand and prepare an artist. But these things are no longer here. 
what has changed? You mentioned the, the support. Where is this support coming from? Was it from the government or from the financial? Who were the financiers and who are those financing it? Okay. Um, for, first of all, as we all know, or some of us know, this business is actually, it, it, it's, 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 it's in different levels. You know, you have, uh, you have records, you have different kinds of record labels. You have different levels of record labels. You have the big record labels. Then you have the major record labels. Then you have what you would call independent record labels. Okay. So um, wherever stage you are, you're working with some other record label. If you are a big record label, you're working with a, a, a major record label to fish artists, or you're working with an independent record label as a major record label. Or when you are a major, when you are an independent record label, at that time you couldn't do anything on your own. You know, so you okay, well before then there was there were no independent record labels. Actually, independent record label means that you are doing it on your own, but at that time there was nothing like that. So you are either running a record label that is small, trying to follow the the major guys. So the major guys kind of fund you. But the funding was not necessarily what we call funding today. The funding then was in different, um, was from different angles, you know, because the way we make music in those days is not the same with the way we make music today. Those days, like I said before, in one of the episodes, music was made with reel to reel. The machine was different. It wasn't computers. It wasn't synthesizers. It was mostly live music. So you have a live guitarist, drummer, bassist, keyboardists, saxophonists, trumpeter, playing live while the singer is singing. Yes. Everybody's doing the thing at the same time. Yeah. So the funding required that you pay everybody okay. that is going to do something in the studio. That is one. Two, after making the music, you are going to also invest in what is called manufacturing of the products. You know, we, we've had vinyl plates, we've had tapes, then we came to CDs. All those materials were manufactured and duplicated. So you have a master after making the music, and then the master will be duplicated into thousands or millions of copies. So the money invested in that is, is actually the, the biggest... Um, Part of the burden, the financial burden on a record label. That's why sometimes you need a big record label to support you because they are the ones who will press the CDs or the vinyls or mass produce the tapes. So the, the, the major record labels sign artists, have some kind of deal with them, record them, then they have a deal with the big label. So when it's time to mass produce, the big label come in, mass produce, and also distribute. This is a yes, very huge. This is a very huge. Yeah, it's a very huge task, right? I mean, what you are pointing out is a very yes. is very very cumbersome. Yes. So how did they able to that do that? And now we can't even do something close. It is it, structure. This this actually didn't just happen. This what I'm talking about took decades to perfect. It wasn't even perfect. But I mean, it took decades to, to grow into what it became. And it also took some level of government support, legislature, policies that are put in place to protect and support the industry in those countries like Germany, England, and the United States of America. You know, So it made it easier for these companies to rise. Um, re record levels like uh, BMG, Bethelsmann Music from Germany, 
record labels like Sony Records, EMI, um, Universal Records, like you all know, and then um, Warner Music. But BMG is no longer existent. I think it was sold to Sony. So we have now four. They used to call them the big five. Now we have the big four. So at that time, or many years ago, you couldn't really do anything without these guys. At some point, you're going to deal with them because they control some aspect of the business, especially the distribution, which is the biggest part of it. You know, having been able to put a CD or a tape and get it across um, the markets in Africa, in Asia, in Europe, and every other place. That was a huge task. But they had their networks. They had their shops. They had their stores. They had their branches all over the world. So it was, it was more of a collaborative effort between record labels and companies. There's also the promotion aspect of it, which works with the media and the publicity guys and the PR guys. Okay, we are, go we are going to come to that, um, Truka. We are going to come to that. I, I want everyone to understand what, what we are talking about and where we are. Um, if you're just joining us, uh, this is exploring this creative industry in the Southeast. Um, I'm doing this for uh, Amegu. Amegu is um, a platform, the digital platform that broadcasts and showcases the culture, the rich um, culture, the arts, music, and entertainment industry of the Southeast. Right? Um, if you are just joining us, kindly share this uh, space on your timeline. Tell everyone, tell people who are in the creative industry to join us. We are exploring um, the creative industry, like I said before. So we are looking at solution. We are looking at the way forward. Um, but before we do that, we're going to look at what was obtainable before so that we will know that we are just not existing. Some people have been in the, you know, in the industry, they have conquered it, they have succeeded, and they achieved a great, great deal of results. And we are wondering why we are not getting it right at this time, despite all the supportive system, the social media, the internet. Um, a lot of things has come, a lot of things have come to bridge the gap and you know, made it easier, yet we are not uh, getting it um, right. So the next question really, uh, of course, uh, it will be sequel to that, the, 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 the last thing you are saying, right? Um, what exactly uh, did the media play? What was the exact role in terms of promotion uh, from the media? What was, what was the exact things they did that were, you know, that stood out for them at that time? It wasn't something special, really. It, it was just basically playing the music. You know, if your music is good, they play your music. And everybody knows somebody. Was there Paola? I mean, guys, was there um, bribery? Paola, Paola, pre, pre, I wouldn't, I can't tell, really, because it wasn't in the news. And I, I wasn't an adult at that time. So I, I can't tell what happened then. But I, I don't think it was this bad at that time. I think things were different. I think there was a place for merits in the music industry, you know. Um, but like there, like I said before, there was a structure. So the the radio stations especially expects music to come out. So they are in touch with the record labels. They are in touch with the promo guys. So when music is coming out, these guys get to know about it because the music is supplied to them. Okay, and there were there are companies, there are agencies also who are in the business of managing the base, this whole thing in places like the US and the UK. Um, record labels make money from radio stations playing music, same with TV stations playing music. There are some royalties, some kind of 
um, rights that are paid for them to be able to play that music because they are using music to, to get attention, to get audience, to get viewers to their shows mm. on radio and TV. So they pay for that. So there was a symbiotic relationship between the media and the record label. Reverse, reverse is the case. Exist. The reverse is the case here in Nigeria. The reverse. Like I said earlier, one of the reasons why the record labels in those countries have thrived for decades is because they have enabling laws. The legislature and the legislature is, is active and actively working to make sure that they support, they make policies that enable the industry. That's what you, you that's what we mean when we say conducive environments. So running a record label in Nigeria was never perfect. It was never perfect situation. It was never ideal because it wasn't the same. And these guys coming into Nigeria knew that, so they had to find a way to run it in Nigeria. And most of the times, what happens is that when the music goes out there in those countries, when we export the music via these channels, they make the money from the same systems that are enabled by their legislature and their policies. So it trickles down back to us. So Nigerian artists who made money in those days didn't just make money from Nigeria. They also make money from, from um, foreign sales because it was a, it was a well-organized business. I can't say it was perfect, but it was good. You know? So the thing is that I can't say it was easier for them than it is now, and I can't say it was harder. It's just a different business from what's going on now. People at that time weren't very interested in singing. That you have talent doesn't mean you have to go and sing. There were few musicians then. It wasn't polarized. It wasn't, people weren't desperate to be artists. People weren't getting into music to be, to be famous, so to speak, because you're not even sure you're going to be anything. Your family disowns you most of the times, <laughs> you know. And then for the record labels, it was serious business. And it was for the love of the music as well. So everybody played a role to make sure this business is growing. Everybody did something to make sure this industry kind of works. You know, the artist play their role. The record label plays their role. The producer plays his role. But like I was saying before, it, it was a different process. And let me say this. A record label is not exactly what we call a record label now, even though it's evolving. A record label is actually uh, a company, a company that is both a recording company and a management company. It has different, let me say, the departments. It has the A&R, that is the artist and repertoire. Those are the guys that find the artists, develop their ability to, to create music, and then manage and oversee the process of their recording. When they are making their products in the studio, they work with the producers and the songwriters and everybody to make sure the music comes out well according to the vision. You know, that's what an A&R does. Then you have, uh, you have the branding guys, you have the publicity guys, you have the, the, the marketing guys, then you have the, the production team who make the music, the producers and songwriters working with them. You have the publishing aspect. Um, you have the business aspect. You also have the legal aspect, you know, and there are other, other aspects that I, I can't mention now. I can't remember right now. But there, were, there are so many aspects that are working in tandem. Everybody have their own roles. you know. So when everybody comes together and put their strengths together and focus on a particular artist, 
they know exactly what they're trying to achieve. Now, what a record label is supposed to do is find artists, find artists with talents, figure out what is the best brand for this artist. What personality should we create around this artist and turn the artist into a brand, then make products that are aligned with that brand and make them marketable and market them, make money and create entertainment for the audience. That's what a record label does. And it takes a lot to make all this. It's a machine, to put it simply. And sometimes it involves people who are not directly working under the record label, but people who work as outsource, you know. But at the end of the day, it's, a, it's, a, it's an organization that is, uh, works like a well-oiled machine. But something happened in the late 90s. Everybody knows about that. The evolution of the music industry. Everything changed. We were on CDs. It was used to be CDs and tapes and vinyls. When you release an album, there were um, parameters by which they check your sales. So if you have 100,000 sales, it has a tag on it. If you have 500,000 sales, if you ha they have a tag on it. It's called gold. When you have 1 million sales, they call it platinum. When you have 10 million sales, they call it diamond. That was that at that time because everything was hard copy. So you buy the CD, you play. And at that time, in those countries, you don't share music. Your neighbor cannot come to your house and say, please give me that CD, let me go and play in my house. No, it's against the law. So all those, all those policies enable the industry to grow. You are forced to go buy your own copy. You don't play music in, 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 in venues without permission, without pay, you know. But something happened. The internet happened and the internet broke music industry and the problem was that the music industry refused to evolve on time when this was happening so or should i say they didn't expect when... they didn't expect what was going to happen just like what happened no, uh, no, between there was a chance iroko tv they, they had... and Alaba marketers i think it, there is a correlation here i'm going to come to that all right but the, I'm, 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 go, I'm starting from what happened from the U.S., from the Western countries down to Nigeria. Now, in the Western countries, there was a guy called, uh, I think it was Sean Fanning or something like that. He started a, um, a, 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 a file-sharing website called Napster. And Napster was a place where you share anything, software, um, music, videos, even movies, anything at all. So... Because music was the, was the thing people wanted most. It became a file-sharing um, platform for music. So most people stopped buying music because they could easily find it. On, so what happens is you have a song, you upload it on, on, your, on your side, on, on, on Napster, and it's available for everybody. So when I'm looking for Michael Jackson's um, Beat It, I just type Michael Jackson's Beat It, and it searches and finds people who have uploaded it on the same platform. And gives me room to download from any of them. Why? Because before, for you to have music, for you to give music to 100,000 people, or for to give music to maybe 1,000 people, you want to sell to 1,000 people, you have to take the, take the master of the music, either as a CD or whatever, take it to the company where they mass produce, and they will put it in the machine and mass produce. Then you tape it, package it, Put the CD cover, the lapel, the credits, everything is in there. You package all that and put it in the market, in the shops, the music shops where music is sold. Then people come and buy. That was the system. 
But when music turned digital, it wasn't so anymore. Make your song is in digital format, is a file in a computer, and that singular file in that computer logged onto the internet can serve one billion people. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry about that. That, that, singular, so that singular file you put on your system can reach one billion people. Let's just say one million people because they don't need to mass produce it anymore. They just need to copy yours or download. If it's on the internet, you just need to have access to where the file is and download it. So that changed everything. And when he came out with that, it became a problem for the music industry, especially in America. And um, they began to fight him, took him to court, took Napster to court. And while they were in court, Napster did something interesting. They came out because I think they had about, uh, okay, let me just say over 40 or 60 million subscribers at that time. So they did a survey, asked subscribers, please, we would like you to indicate if you would be willing to pay a little sum on a monthly basis subscription to have access to all these songs that you have to download to your system, to have access to them and be able to listen to them rather than have to download them. Or maybe download and pay some sum, pay a sum of money to download them. These are options. Would you take it? Would you take that opportunity? Would you subscribe? And they got more than 70% positive response to that. What did they do? They took this research, this result, and the report, took it to what is called RIAA, Recording Industry Association of America. That is where you have these big labels meeting, you know, all the big labels and the major labels and the independent labels, everybody's there. So they took it to them and said, guys, instead of killing this, why don't we transform this into another model of the business? So let's have these guys access the music from their computers rather than having to buy CDs or let them have an option so that instead of for them to get busy looking for free music because it was called free music at that time, let us transform the free music to subscribed music or downloaded, paid downloaded music. And out of ego, RIA said, no, who is this small boy? We've been doing this business for more than 50, 70 years. Before you were born, who are you? Because they could see the kind of power that Napster would wield with that, that move. So they refused. And guess what? In less than six months, they won the case and killed Napster. Napster died. And Napster was bought over by another company. I think it was BMG, one of those companies, bought it over and transformed it into a normal download site and then um, streaming site. But what happened was that in less than six months after Napster died, there were more than 20 Napsters springing out, more deadly, more serious, and they were all outside America, so they couldn't even fight them. And that destroyed the music industry for at least two, three years. That was why, if, if you check the records, Michael Jackson released in Invincible in 2000. It didn't sell. It didn't sell up to, up to 1 million copies. <laughs> sorry, up to 10 million copies. I think it was about 1.5 or 2 million. I can't remember exactly, but it was a failure. And it was because of this. So many different um, artists that released music in that period suffered this because there was no sales. People were now getting music for free. So it took a long time after people like um, Steve Jobs came up with iTunes. And because Steve Jobs was a big guy, they were willing to listen to him because they were losing. 
that was where the conversation started. Okay, let's transform this business to digital music. Then the other ones came and joined. But iTunes was about among the guys that saved American music. And for Nigerian music industry, there's something called the marketers in Alaba. You know, these guys were basically pirates, you know. And they started with the movie industry. You know about the movie industry in the 90s. They, they were the ones who funded the movie industry. Yeah. And then pirated the movie industry at the same time. <laughs> There's a way it works. You know, you have the pirates, then you have the guys who claim to be the real guys. But if you release your movie without a marketer, they'll pirate it. Then you'll be forced to call one of them who will control the piracy and they'll market it for you and tell you this is how much I got. And there is no way to prove that this is how much he got except what he gives you. So these same guys got into the music industry too and started um, pirating music. This was in the late 90s. And because there was no serious government interested in this, nothing was happening. No attention was coming from the government. No protection was coming because it was, it was an Abacha's period. IBB to Abacha time. So they didn't do anything to secure, to safeguard the music industry. So the pirates took over. And when the pirates took over, it was no longer a business because you release an album and you haven't even sold 1,000 copies and you hear that it's played in different streets in another city. What are you doing? You're wasting your time because your sales, your, your revenue depends mostly on your sales. You know, so the record label started closing up, leaving. Premier Music suffered so badly. Most other record labels closed. I don't even know if Tabansi still existed now. You know, it was the, the new guys that had to start building from the scratch. Fortunately for them, they belonged to a generation that understood what happened in terms of the, the evolution or the shift from physical hard copy music to digital music even though they didn't embrace it immediately, but that was what happened. So these guys were the ones who had to go and engage the marketers directly. I'm talking about the likes of Kenny's music. Kenny's actually had, it should take a lot of credit for this music industry because it was among the guys that came out there and did something, even though he had support. He was a DJ, popular DJ and presenter on Ray Power, which was owned by his in-law. You know, So like I said before, record labels and the media always worked in tandem. So he secured the record label with his friend and with the support of Ray Power AIT, it was easier for him to promote his artists. It started with artists like, um, I think it started with mostly gospel artists like Kingsley K, the guy that sang Wanilele and then Samuel Poso and then Mike Aremu, the saxophonist and then secular artists like um, Lagbaja. Then came The Remedies that is Tony Tetrila Idris Abdul Karim and uh, but yeah and then sound sultan azados these were guys that were coming into coming out from kenny's music and they were doing very well i'm telling you at that time they were doing very well because they had media support as well not just nigerian media but international media like channel o you know so these guys actually they weathered the stuff to an extent but they had to also engage the, this same gatekeepers, these bad guys in Alaba, and do some kind of business with them, you know. So at some point, the others started coming in. But Kenny's had, his, had something that looked like a structure because he was he's exposed. He's schooled abroad. He had been there. He has seen how things run. So it was 
he was coming with an upper hand compared to the marketer. So he knew how to at least take care of the side of making the music and making the artists, developing the artists. And it worked for as long as it worked before others got inspired and joined the band, like Storm Records, Question Mark. Um, there's one called West Side. You know, but Storm Records was the big guy that came in, Obiasika, came in and signed his own people too. Uh, Jasmine Olofin, Sasha, uh, Nena, later signed Dare, Atalade, and the rest of them. Then Little C came on later on, you know, and joined the same thing. So they were all doing the same thing. They had to bond, work with the gatekeepers who were in control of distribution, which happens to be the Alaba Boys. And at that time, Alaba Boys can control can destroy your, your record, your business. You re release an album, it will be selling, but you won't see the money because they are the ones pirating it. They are the ones, they're the reason why it's selling. It's everywhere in Nigeria, but your own distribution is not bringing you money because the people are buying it from the pirates and not from you. I think I told the story about the Style Plus, Style Plus story yeah. in the last two episodes. And yeah, so that was exactly what happened at that time. But what saved it was, was, um, their willingness to eventually embrace the digital music business, which took some time between 2008 and 2012, 13, 14, 15, you know. But it was easier when music, because even the digital music business was more of download. For some years, it was just download. So you buy yeah. your iPad, iPod, you buy your iPod or your iPad or your iPhone. You don't even have, to, you don't even have to buy iPod. You just have to use your phone to download it from Java. Uh, Java phone, I remember, we used to download from WAPTRIC, uh, from... No, I'm talking about those who bought music. Okay, all right. <laughs> You're not talking about, about us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm talking about those who bought music. That one wasn't business. You guys were still doing the Napster thing. The Napster thing didn't stop in Nigeria because, like I said, we didn't have the legislation. We didn't have the policies to protect the music makers, the content producers at that time, until Kosong came in and started helping to organize something that looks like a, an agency that helps people correct, collect, connect money, but it wasn't working very well because they didn't have a proper um, agreement with the artists. You know, Another problem that the artists, the music industry had was that there was no industry association. Like you have RIAA in the UK, sorry, in America. We don't have anything like that in Nigeria. And you can't fight something like that as one person. You have to fight as a body. And the Alaba boys were too big. Guy, yeah, they were too big. And they were ready to do anything. I don't know if you've heard about the story about Flavor, how Flavor was beating Alaba at Alaba sometimes. So, you know, he went to, he sold his music to, I think it was a vinyl music. And the guy didn't give him his money. He waited for his money for some time. The money wasn't coming. So one day he got angry. He would call him on the phone. He would pick his call. He got angry and went to Alaba to go and, you know, make some noise. He walked into his office and was talking. And the guy was like, calm down. Okay, calm down. And he hit the table with both hands. He said, the next thing <laughs> he knew, boys gathered and carried him out of the office and beat the shit out of him. He had to run, he had to run for his life, crying in the bus. That is how powerful those guys are. As long as you're in their territory, they control it, you know. So I don't, I don't know how we would have survived that industry, that, um, that, that well, like mafia, if we didn't embrace the digital music. So it was this. 
especially the, the, the transformation from music download to music streaming, because music download was more expensive. You have to buy each song for $99, whether you're in Nigeria or in America. You have to buy each song for $99. And this was actually also what helped the Nigerian music industry. Because when you realize that music is not coming out of CDs anymore, music is now mostly on the digital platforms. And Nigerians living in Nigeria cannot afford to buy one song for $1. So they had to just chill for the one that is Nigerian music that is available for free, which was made available by Two Exclusive and uh, Not Just Okay. That's called. They made the music available for free, single. So you just go there, download the music for free, and enjoy. So when you have access to music you don't have to pay for, you forget about the ones you have to pay for. That was how the attention turned from Westlife, Rihanna, um, Destiny's Child, and the likes of them, to Two-Face, P-Square, Plantation Boys, Style Plus. So a lot of factors actually played into helping us arrive where we are right now. That's what I'm trying to say. But the most important was the digital transition, the revolution of the music industry. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, um, Chuka, for that um, breakdown. This is a very great lesson. I, if you're just joining us, you are very lucky to, uh, to be here to listen to the breakdown on the history on how Nigeria got to where they are, the Nigerian music industry, you know, got to be where they are now today. Look at just, look, just look at that from where um, they were operating on manual using CDs and the, you know, battling with the, the Alaba mafias to what is currently um, at stake today, what we have today, you know. And it's quite interesting really because digital uh, media, or should I say the, the digital aspect of this helped in boycotting, you know, closing down a lot of, in fact, I think digital uh, space has really helped so much because it has broken down a lot of barriers and gatekeepers in the industry and um i, I just hope absolutely it will, yeah i just hope it will continue to to do that open doors to I ordinary people i remember the day i was talking to a particular marketer this was in 2009 i went to there was this artist that i was managing so he released we released a song and i wanted to promote it at that time i remember this if you want to promote music you have to go to Alaba and pay them a certain amount of money for them to put it in the list. You know, they had, used to have DJ mix, Alaba mix of 20 or 25 songs. You pay them to put your song in the mix that they will sell and make money. But you are paying them. So they're making money in two folds from the artist who is bringing money for them to promote and then people who are buying the music. It was that bad. Only a few artists survived that at that time. People like Asha. And how did I find out? I went to one shop and I asked, I said, Wandeko is moving. Wandeko is moving. I said, which other one is moving? As in CDs, albums. Can they? they were showing me different albums that were selling, but Wandeko was number one. Asha was number two. I was like, how? Like that, other people. I said, because Asha's music, you can't, you may see him when you may DJ list. Because I'm going to go Baba. So people have to buy it. Wow, interesting. This is interesting. So factors like that 
that and many more that we it's, don't even remember. It, 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 what you just said now is even currently applies to uh, many DJs, especially Nigerian DJs. They don't play a song if it yes. is not in line. That's why when you hear um, a song that is trending, everybody starts would start using that sound, that type of sound, so that DJ can at least you know play their song. I, yes, it yes. happens even up to this very moment. Yeah. Eba Kubido. It was that Alaba thing that started this DJ thing. So everybody now depends on the DJ to promote their. All right. Um, Chuka, just what take a say? breathing space. Uh, uh, let's have um, yeah, let's have an opinion from our listeners uh, on other persons or who can join us in this conversation so okay. that we can get more opinion, right? So, um, of course, if you're just joining us, this is um, uh, MySpace. Uh, we are looking at the creative industry in the Southeast. We're exploring it. We are looking at the best way, how we got to where we are and how we get to where we want to be, right? And I'm doing this on behalf of Amegu. Amegu, if you're just joining us, uh, Amegu is the gateway for music industry, uh, entertainment generally, culture, art and culture from Southeast. So you can follow the page, follow the handle, check out what they've done before. This is the third episode of this program. We've done the first, the second, and the third. They are all in Spotify. You can go and listen to that. We'll also record this. And of course, if you want to listen, go check it out. Follow them on all the social media handles. They're on Facebook, they're on Twitter, they're on Instagram, of course, YouTube. And um, today, what we are looking at is something that we believe that if the conversation will transform into something very tangible and, of course, useful. Um, we have Zege. Zege, you have been here for a while. And we are in the first episode where we did introduction, of course, look at the historical perspective of the entertainment industry in the Southeast specifically. So you are here today. What do you think about what has been discussed so far, Zege? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, everybody. Can you all hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, sir. I have been listening to the school by Chuka. Chuka, thumbs up, man. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Uh, it's nice to thank you. It's nice to listen to way back and then see how it transformed to what we have today. Um, I just wanted to chip in a little few things about how it was way back. You have to look at how the technology was like way back too, when you're considering how it was way back. In the 60s, nightlife or whatever you call it, enjoyment or whatever was, was done mainly by live music, like you stated. And the live music was the way most people got their kicks to have their own type of fun. After the war in the 70s, it moved from vinyl, which has been there since the 40s, and started new technology by one German group, if I remember, was BASF. I can't remember, I can't pronounce it properly. They now did what they called cartridge. Cartridge came into the city. So music moved, was trying to move from vinyl to cartridge. But somehow, for reasons best known, it didn't sell that time. So like you rightly said, the music industry was controlled mainly by the major players. Polygram, EMI, all the major players at that time. Few Nigerians used to do some things like you also said, Tabansi, Roger All-Stars, all those guys tried in the 70s. Now, like you also rightly stated, during that period of time, the record labels had their networks. Radio station 
at that time was not a major way of sharing your music. The major ways of sharing your music that time was nightlife together with what you play in your home. So a lot of people took pride to have collections of vinyls at home. I have an uncle who had over, over about 1,200 vinyl records. He had a room where with whatever um, album you're looking for, he'll go and bring it out and you play it. It was, it, was a, it was a matter of pride for them to showcase what they have at home that period. Then towards the late 70s, coming towards the 80s, the cartridge was trying to push up the vinyl out of market. But Philips came out with a technology that revolutionized the whole system. They came out with the cassette. That cassette was a changer. That's why in the early 80s, you had what they call the big box. If you remember, those of you that grew up that know about breakdance, when you want to play the do the breakdance, they'll bring up the, 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 the cassette player. Yeah, yeah. Cassette player and yeah. press the cassette player and everybody goes be street. Uh, I, I don't want to sing that song. It was yes. my time. So all those things, the revolution was just that gradually. But the thing from all we have said is that do you want me to continue on the evolution or do you want me to give my own small opinion? Yeah, just make your submission. Okay. Okay. Now what I want to bring out is that each time that if you notice in every 10 years, music changes. Every 10 years it changes. Every year it changes. Right now is now it, it went into upload and download. Now we're doing cloud. People have to, we have to learn in the Southeast how to evolve as things change. Because if you wait behind, you are lost. That's what I'm, I'm trying to bring out. The historical part of it is that music changes in every 10 years. It comes out in different forms. It comes out in different forms. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Let me have Thank you so much. All right. Yes, thank you please. so much, Azege. This is, this is a very great point you made. Uh, every 10 years and... I want us to look at it. Um, I don't know if you are if you can predict from now from, uh, from next ten years. What do you think? Where do you think music is going to look like? But of course, if you look at the past, I'm sure you can easily predict what will you know likely come up. Do you think? Well, the- I I I I haven't really. I can't say that it hasn't started evolving already. But what may not evolve is the form. Of the music, like this, like we said, from vinyl to to cartridge to tape, and then to CDs. You know, CDs lasted for almost twenty years. Now we are we moved from that to download, and from download to streaming. Streaming has been on for probably seven years now. So we we probably will have to wait for this for the streaming thing to last for some time before we can we can actually think about what next. But for now. It looks like that's the thing we have to do for now. I can't tell you what is going to come after that. If I can tell you that, then I'll have to start a company that will make billions of dollars because whoever that was able to predict that we're going to do streaming are the ones who are making the money are in control right now. People like Steve Jobs and the guy on Spotify. You know, Like I, st- I said, the visionary for this revolution was that champagne guy, but unfortunately, they kicked him out. So it's people like them. And I think it's technology that would decide it. Maybe, maybe, Maybe blockchain will bring something that we haven't seen yet. I don't know how it's going to work. All right. Why I said that is because All right. blockchain, okay. blockchain, is, blockchain, blockchain is creating a safe internet that is not controlled by anybody. It's open to everybody. At the same time, it's protected. So 
it might safeguard free downloads. It might safeguard the music industry from free downloads and also create a superior technology that will make it possible for people to actually be able to down them, sell their music and have more data, more information about what is going on, where people are getting the music from, and that will inspire the model of marketing and, and um, um, uh, target marketing and, and distribution from the artist and record label perspective. Because right now, that information is not so clear. It's still in the hands of the, the distributors. Streaming, streaming platforms. Yeah. yeah, the streaming platforms. Even though the streaming, the streaming platforms have people who work between the record labels and them, which are the aggregators. You can call them the distributors. They're actually the ones that are called distributors. Yeah, yeah. What they do is to take take your content. Um, I don't want to go too much into this because it's a, it's a different topic. But take your content, take it to the record, to the streaming platforms. Um, follow the procedure, the, all the processes, the registrations, and all that. Then register you and the, the content owner. Then when this the the people who are using the content pay to stream the music, the money trickles down and spreads across board to everybody who contributed from the songwriter to producer to the record label to the artist, depending on the sharing formulas. And then the collecting agencies also take their own. Yeah, let me not go into that too much because I think this is a different topic. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's let's uh, go back to what we are talking about. That is the record label, the role of the record label. Um, I was listening to an um, interview granted by uh, Ijele of Africa, Flevon Ambania. Oyolima, he says something uh, yeah. when he was asked about signing an artist. You know, the way he was asked, "Why are you not signing any of our artists?" He said that's <laughs> that signing an artist is quite difficult. That he doesn't understand anything that has to do with paper or signing. That all he knows is to support whoever. That if it requires to support you, to promote your song, to be in your song, he will gladly do that. And he has been doing that. But if Kwalonka Anna we just sign on a paper, that's how he puts it. So he was very wary of that. And if you look at uh, so many uh, so many up-and-coming artists that have signed to record label, they've had one or two problems. And oftentimes, they sign into this record label without even knowing the implications, the consequences of what they are signing into, because they were just, they were at the point, uh, at the time, where eager to, you know, uh, to you know, to make it, right? And they were not putting into cognizance yeah. the content of these, um, the, the conditions Contracts. of the contract, exactly. So, how do we um, advise or how do we even create uh, awareness for the young coming artists, probably who may be listening currently? How do we advise them on what are the things they need to look out for when they are signing um, any record label? But before you go there, I should ask, or I don't know if you, I'll answer this one after that, but I think I want us to look at uh, independent artist, that is the indie artist and uh, signed artist. Which one do you think that is favorable at this period? Which one do you think that is better at this time? Okay, okay. I, I think it's it's actually life. Like you say, like, like like they say, life is in steps. You know, you start with one. We start with where you are. You start from where you are. Whether you're an artist or you're a, a programmer or you're a painter or even mechanic, you start from where you are. And the reason why it's called independent artists is because you're probably not getting support from anybody. 
in the music industry. I mean any organization in the music industry. So you are doing things on your own. That's why you're called an indie. But if you come formally an indie, when you structure your music business in a way that it can run on its own without, even though you don't have support, that's what makes you an independent artist. And most of the times, if you're smart, you register your imprints. Let's say you have, um, your name is Chuka. And then you say, okay, my, 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 my record label is Ogolo Records. So you go to CAC and, record, and register your company as Ogolo Records or Ogolo Entertainment. So that whenever you're getting into contracts or any kind of deal, you sign the deal. The deal is signed with the company and not with you. And many other things that will come that will require that a company is representing you. Rather than having a company represent you, you have your own company represent you. That's what most of the times happens with an indie. Now, what makes indie, indie possible today is because of the same digital music that we're talking about. Because you now can, you can go to SoundCloud and upload your music as an individual. You can go to YouTube and upload your music, create your own channel, upload your music as an individual. Nobody will ask you to prove that you don't have, that you're coming from a particular record label or anything at all. You know, and you can also go to Apple directly and Spotify directly and I'll put your music there if you understand how the process works. So if you can do that, if you can do all these things, you know, organize your music, have some kind of little structure, then you're running an independent um, record label. It's not supposed to be called a label, but that's what they called. <laughs> now, indie artists and ind independent record label might be two different things in the sense that an indie artist doesn't have anybody at all working with. Independent record label is a small record label that has an artist or two and has just a few people in their employ who do the tasks and they don't have external funding. They're doing things on their own. So most of the times what happens is that an artist starts on his own as an independent artist. Maybe from singing in your bathroom and in your church yeah. to singing in small... I think they, they've got, got, then, they've got a, a genre called bedroom pop or bedroom... Um, Generally, generally, that's what they are called. <laughs> Do you know why they call it that? Because the technology that is available right now makes it possible for you to open your laptop, put on, open the particular um, plugin that you want to use, get a small microphone, it's, or even exactly, a, a headset, and and use Fruity Loops and make your beats. Use the small microphone, record yourself. If you understand mastering a little bit, mix and master the music right there in your bedroom and release it on SoundCloud. It's now possible. The only problem with that is that the quality of music keeps dropping when that happens. You know, but I mean, like I said, everything is in steps. Even Justin Biden. There's, there's, so, there's something you said. You said quality of the music. I, I think um, there is actually a music uh, called lo-fi, like Music generally again called lo-fi, like low fidelity. That's the quality is low, yeah. and it's intentional. <laughs> they yes. intentionally create a music that has a low quality for a particular audience. So it's actually uh, another great deal. Again, it's not a bad thing. Generally, they're trying to make room. Yes, they're trying to make room. Well, it has its pros and cons. Okay, they're trying to make room for people who don't have the privilege of being signed in a record label or being signed in a management company that will provide them the funding, the producer, the mixing engineer, and all that. So they want you to be able to get some pay. Yeah, I agree. While you are, you, are, you are growing. But it has its problems. The problem is that when you suddenly become a hit like CK, as you may see, CK came from that. 
can imagine the ripple effect it will have on artists that are looking for record label. They're like, I don't need that. CK made it. Do you understand? So sometimes success that is not built through a thorough process can give birth to a wrong influence that affects a generation of artists. Can, can you repeat? Can you repeat that so that people will <laughs> get that? I want that to be repeated, please. Okay, when you create success, or when success suddenly happens, remember what I told you one day we were having an, we were having a conversation that certain songs, sometimes certain songs make it not because the artist is great, but because of factors, external factors that the artist didn't have any control yeah, over. Yeah. So when when certain success happens, and it didn't follow a thorough process. What I mean by thorough process is steps on how to make sure that the quality is good, you know, the, the lyrics is is um, consumable, and every other every other factor is considered and it's and, made. Very and of course, right when projection that, too, that, right projection, not just yes. boom. And and this is the reason. This is the reason why gatekeepers matter, because they control that. Because if they don't control that, the industry will eventually die. So when success happens that way without that process, if it's so big, this generation doesn't care about process as much as they care about the success. So if the success is there, they're like, when you talk to them, they tell you, look at this guy. This guy didn't need all that. And he has made it. Bentley right now. He has a house in Atlanta. So why should I bother trying to take my time and go through the process of making quality music. When do you understand? So it has its um, negative adverse effects when you, when we don't um, when we don't pay attention or when we don't respect good process. But I believe, like you said, like I told you, I believe they created that thing. Those who created that genre, probably it was even by the people that are that belong to the genre. They created it so that people can eat, because today. Music is no longer a chosen, a specific chosen profession for a few. Music is now an option for a young person growing up. Okay, if you try me with your life, I want to be a musician. It wasn't a thing before. It was a calling before, like a calling. You have to be convinced that this is this thing owns you. You can't even do anything that is not music. I remember when Two Face said something very strong. He said, "If I don't do music, I go die. This is not the only thing why I sabi. This is not the only thing why I feel do." Two-Face made music when music was made because it was a calling, you know. And today, people get into the music business because they love fame or because they want to make money, because they see people flaunting the wealth or the appearance of wealth on the music TV, on the music videos, you know. So they want to, they, they aspire to be like those guys, like Rema and the rest of them. And they go into music. Probably they have a little bit of talent, but the truth is that the, 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 the result is much more important. To Chuka, let me, let, me give, let, me, let me give you another example of what you are saying. Uh, someone like, um, yeah. uh, what's his name again? The, the guy that did um, scream, pom, pom, pom. What's his name again? I've forgotten his <laughs> name. Why did he skip my mind? Oh, my God. What's his name? See, you don't remember such artists. And okay, Enebox, do you remember his name? No, not not Dalitin, not Dalitin. What's his name? I God, why, why did I forget this name? Kai. Okay, I'll tell you. I, I'll, 
Nigerian. No, he's not a Nigerian. He's not a Nigerian. Um, he's not a Nigerian. He's not a Nigerian. He's an African, but not Nigerian. Man, man, Yes, all for now, but. Is he that one, the English guy? Man, it just the fact that you can't remember the name is a is a good thing. You know. Let me tell you why. If you remember the name, come on stage and tell me. Yeah, I know this song. I I remember the song, but um, of course you can you can tell. Big Shark, Big Shark. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Of course, Big Shark. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now the 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 reason why you can't easily remember the name is because of what I was talking about. The guy doesn't even have a brand. The song is far bigger than his name. You know, in those days when music was made through record labels and through processes, before an artist's album is out or when a single is out, the artists would do interviews. They would do all kinds of things to promote the brand itself, not just the song. But right now, it's the other way. The song is the, is the focus. Now, look at this song. The people don't even want to hear who's, who made the song. And if the, if the team around the artists are not putting in enough effort to brand the artists, the artists will just be there. The song will fly. But the problem is that after that first one, because you didn't build your brand, if you were not able to make another one-hit wonder, you're gone. Because what sustains you as an artist is not just your music, but your brand. Sometimes people release a song, it's not well-received immediately. But because of the brand of the artists, over time, people begin to receive it. Are you are, are you are you shading some people? F- <laughs> FC. No, I'm no, just saying. I, I've had this. Of course, that is the truth. That's the truth for a long time. Yeah. It's, you know, I, if you listen to people like um, Adele, if you listen to people talk about people like Adele, you realize that she's selling because of her brand. Her music is good, though. I can't take it from her. But the truth is that. One of the reasons why she sells the way she sells is because of her brand. People identify with her. People love her. She just, just she her. just released a visual where she's throwing away papers. And that I visual got right. over, I think, over 10 mil- million in just a day or something on YouTube. Yes. 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 I, saw, I, saw, I saw the, the video. Me, like 10 minutes after she released it on Instagram, I saw it. I'm like, this lady has come again. She's gonna break the internet because she, she's gonna shut down the she and her team, they, un- they they understand they understand the business very well, and she comes from the UK. They are good with media. They understand these things very well. So it it's important, and it's something that African people need to embrace some more, especially us from the southeast. We need to learn to embrace the importance of branding, and this is the reason why record labels are important, not just the funding part of it. Now. If you don't have a record label signed to, you need people who can work with you. There are always smart people around you. They are not always employed. They don't always have the professional knowledge, but they have something to offer. They understand something. They may not be a professional brand expert or or a PR expert, but they, they might be following people who are doing the business. So they have learned something. So you can leverage on what they have and add it to your your brand, you know, on, into you, into the, the making of your brand. So you have a graphic artist, you have somebody who understands marketing and branding, have another person who is on Twitter, who is an opinion leader on Twitter, who understands publicity to a level. You're working with all these guys together. At that level, you're probably not paying anybody anything. But, you, but because, of, because of the fact that you, 
you appreciate what they are doing and you show that appreciation in every chance, with every chance that you get. And also because you're making beautiful music. Somehow, somehow, everything falls in place. And at some point, an independent record label could find you and pick you up. But even if they don't, there's a chance that because of the kind of work you're doing and growing it, it can actually get out there. And once you get out there, that's a beautiful thing about this, this particular disposition. Once your music gets out there and people are watching or listening to your music, people will find you. Record labels will find you because they want to cash in. They want to make money from you. They want to use, they want to put you on the on their platform and make money. You make your own money. They make that because that's what they are doing. Yeah. A record label is in the business of finding talents. Yes. They're not in the business of waiting for talents to come to them. They are looking for talents. They actually have scouts. A and R manage scouts. Scouts go out there on the internet looking for talents. If they find anybody interesting, they, they don't call the artists. They don't call the person. They just watch the artists. For okay. Talking, watch the trajectory. Yes. Um, talking about signing in to record level, you know, I asked this question before, but we have diverted a little bit. A little bit. So what at what would yeah. artists you know, uh, up-and-coming artists, what are they going to be paying attention to before signing to any record label? Are there anything they, okay. they need to pay attention to? There are many things to consider. All right. First of all, um, educate yourself. You know, and the artist needs to understand what this is about. You know, look at what has happened before. Look at what's going on. Follow the trends on the industry. Read contracts. The beautiful thing we have now that separates us from the other generations is the internet. Information is no longer class classified. You can find almost anything you're looking for. You can find contracts on MJ if you search very well. You can find all kinds of contracts. So just go online. Rather than spend the whole day um, uh, um, um, trolling people on Twitter, so spend some time study find out what's going on how wh wh why does an artist need a contract how many years does an artist need a contract when it expires what should be next when the artist wants to go out when they what is it what are the terms what should i look out for in the contracts and also find a lawyer if it's a family friend or somebody or somebody who can interpret the contract they will give you find somebody you can't just go there and sign somebody has to tell you somebody you trust has to tell you this is what this contract is saying that is one. Second thing is that artists in the music industry who are trying to, okay, artists who are trying to get into the music industry need to understand that the only reason why they have something to join, the reason why they are, they see something they want to be part of is because that thing was built. And the reason why it exists was because some people built it. People that came before you did something. So when you are joining a record label, have it in mind that you have a role to play not just in your career, but in the music industry. And let that dictate your decisions and your behavior. Because there's a problem between record labels and artists. Both, both parties are misbehaving. I'm sorry to use that harsh word, but that's what's going on. The artists just go into the offices and say, I want this, I want this, I want that, I want the car, I want this. That's what they are focused on. They don't even, they're not even looking at the most important things. What is the structure in this record label? What do you guys have in place to make sure that I work, that I succeed? Who are my, who is my A&R? Who are the producers? Do you have songwriters? Do you have a team of music makers? What do you have here? What is the structure? So that I, if I jump into this ship, I know that this ship will take me to my destiny, or at least take me halfway. 
not looking for car or those things that you used to impress your former friends and your ex-girlfriend or whoever, but the things that will actually make your career work. But when you keep asking for the car, they will give you a car now. So this makes room for record labels who are not actual record labels to get into the business because they can attract talents who are looking for car. Moto now, Wallyo Wono, Way Fortune, no problem. Because the truth is that a record label is a record label because of the people that are working in it, not because of the money that is in it. And most of the record labels we have in Nigeria are music companies that were set up by people who have money, who don't know anything about music. They just like music. Maybe they are Flavors fan or one of these artists. I said, one day, can you make one on Because they have the money. And those people are supposed to be what you call executive producers, not record label executives. We should have some kind of structure where you have a record label, then you have executive producers who are sponsors of albums, investors in the music industry, rather than people who own the music, who own the record labels, because they are on the ground. They don't understand the details about artist management and the business itself. Sometimes they are at war with the artists all the time. Ego, having all kinds of ego issues. When you got, when you got, when you got, the truth is that the artist is the face of the record label. You're supposed to be in the background. If you're always fighting who is going to recognize more, then you have a problem. You got pamper the artists. It's an emotional being. And the more talented people are, the more emotional they are. So the, all that is something you learn in the system, not something you just come from nowhere and suddenly understand it. You know, So artists should look for proper record labels, Konyan with the record label said, Kei Homa, who is the manager, who is the CEO, who are the, you know, Kei Fane, and the third thing is this, you yourself, are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready? How much have you put into your own talent? How much have you invested in your development? I recommend, whenever I meet young, young talents these days, especially people who are teenagers, who just came out of school, secondary school maybe, I ask them, go and join a music school. There are Music schools littered around Lagos. I don't know about the Southeast. I haven't really done research on that, but in Lagos, we have a lot of music schools here. Join a music school, do a six month course, or one year or two years. Asha went to a music school. So many of them went to music schools. True. So go to a music school, learn the rudiments, learn the basics. It will help you to be more independent. It will help you to cook yourself well so that when you suddenly come out there, you will be able to replicate the success you create because. The problem I went in the Nigerian music industry, one of the biggest problems we have is to be able to recreate and repeat success. Or they very hard. And it's because most of the artists are half-baked. They're half-baked. And the record label signed them in a hurry because of the quick success. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Truka. Um, we have uh, Ene Books and Okeke who are just joined on, on just joined us on stage. And I will take your uh, contribution, Ene Books. Uh, after any books, then uh, okay, okay. Uh, any books, go ahead and make your contribution, ask your questions, or whatever you want to, you know, say. Um, okay, um, good evening, everyone. Yeah, I can um, hear you. I've been listening for some time now. Okay. Um, well, um, you know, uh, I think that the problem we have down there in the east. It is the lack of structures. You know, we don't have the structures that, that you see now, you know, you see now like, uh, you know, going in Lagos. And, you know, why is that? I think we've touched the things, you know, in, in past programs. Like I couldn't actually, you know, uh, uh, stay through the programs. But the fact that our own artists 
have to go to Lagos. It's a big problem. And again, is that we don't have a, a particular city. We can say this is where you have to go to the in the east, you know, for an interview. Maybe you're about to release a sound. This is the radio radio station. They have to go in the east. You know, if if you if you're going to market the song in the east, um, which which is why when Cosmo FM kind of uh, died off, it, it hurt me because I, I grew up with Cosmo FM. You know, it was as an artist, Cosmo FM actually, you know, helped me a lot because any song, if, if a song drops uh, today in America by next week, Monday, Tuesday, Cosmo Cosmo is playing it. So it, it, it was, he knew everything. He knew when the sound changed. He knew then it was hip, it was hip hop and R&B, you know, in the early 2000s and that. So you actually knew everything. But, you know, but since it was closed, you could, you know, I think it was Chimarokis and he had the issues with ESCC and they closed it. And since then, I think Inugu, like, like, was kind of when you went on of the lights. That was basically what happened in Inugu when it comes to music. You know, and nobody, no registration has taken its place today. You know, and that's a big problem. And believe me, if if, if Cosmo were to be there now that Afrobeat is popping in Nigeria, oh my God, then it would be a hub. Bonaparte will go to Cosmo FM to an interview when he releases an album. I'm telling you. But because we like that, we, we are neglected. Nobody cares because we don't have we don't have a, a radio show. That people say, yeah, the, the, the artists will go maybe weekly. Like, I, I, I don't know if you, if you guys know this girl, Zizi Mills in the UK. It's just something like that. But in the East, with somebody in Enugu, maybe a sister in Enugu doing it, maybe every week she has an edition or he, he, he will have an edition if he's a, if he's a man. You know, invite an artist, speak, something like that. Maybe something about the East that, that, that kind of gives you that, uh, uh, represents the East in that industry. I think I think we, we we can start there from there. I think it's one of the basic things that should be done, if not the radio one. You know, I, I think from there we can we can now grow. We can maybe decide that okay, if it's Enugu, Enugu is going to be the hub. Like let like Enugu be the for now. Let's start here right. and let's see how it will grow. Nice you know? suggestion. Nice and, suggestion. All right, all right, all right. All right. Thank you, uh, Enebooks. Um, um, yeah, we discussed that uh, last episode uh, last week, Friday. Um, guys, if you are just joining us, please uh, kindly follow um, Amegu, Amegu page. Uh, you can also check their Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, Spotify. They have the last episode recorded and uploaded on Spotify. You can go there and stream and listen to what we said over time. Of course, today's um, episode will also be uploaded. Um, Amegu, as we all know, is the gateway of um, entertainment in the Southeast, where we talk about issues that affect the creative industry in Southeast and find a way how we can navigate around it. So follow the page and of course you can as well share this uh, space um, to your friends to on your timeline, even though we are coming to, we just have a few minutes to round off this uh, episode, but you can still share and uh, invite your friends and your followers to come and listen to what we have to say. Um, let's go over to Okeke and get his um, own submission or question or um, contribution. Okay, okay, you have the floor now. All right. Um, thank you very much. Um, good day, everybody. My name is Okeke okay, Obin. Uh, 
thing creates um, industry. So um, I'm going to be speaking from 15 years of experience in the creative industry in Nigeria. And, um, you know, and some of the challenges that, you know, people like us faced, you know, during the, during the conversation or rather during the industry at the time. Um, we have an industry that is um, very rich, you know. When I started up in, say, 2006 properly, you know, um, it was basically just creating content, TV content, radio content, and managing musical artists, you know. We had what we call, at the time, it's called Industry Night. Industry Night was being run by a particular called Matthew. Then, in a particular place on the island, it was called Saipan. Uh, I don't know how I many of us know Saipan. And the days of, you know, um, what's this guy's name on Hot FM? I'm sorry, in Lagos. One of the things that I realized was the importance of creating events. We need to start creating events. We can understand that there is a hostility you know, within the Southeast, but within our small space, we need to be able to create events. Events would be an offshoot of exploring, you know, these creative minds. And when we talk about the creative industry, it's not limited to music. The creative industry has to do with both the movies, music, comedies, you know, different arts, photography, you know, people that just have interest in broadcasting, you know, AOPs and all. All the bits that we know today, um, I knew them at some point when there was actually nothing. You know, the times of the Mohits, when there was actually nothing. You know, the P-squares, when there was actually nothing. You know, what gave them the upshoot? Even the first time MI came to Lagos, his first event... You know, I remember the time, the days of um, Planet One, you know. Planet One was always organizing events in Lagos, you know. MI came for one ICE um, award, and I think he was the one who won the ICE award. You know, people started bringing in international stars. I remember this lady, um, these two ladies that sang, um, um, there's a particular song, I think they came from Jamaica. Brick and, and Lace. Brick and Lace. God bless you. Brick and Lace, you know. When they first came to Nigeria, you know, we were part of the people who organized it, of course, with um, that's the Kenny's Easter Fiesta, you know. So, um, when I look at all these things, you know, down in my mind, I know that there is a need for us to start creating events, shows. They call it shows when I was coming up in the industry. We call it shows. Ah, they go shows today. Ah, I get Obina, give me tickets, you know. Oh, this guy, find me a ticket. And they now went from there to a co hotel. You know, we started organizing events at Eco Hotel. You know, we had different PR companies. You have the ones that will take care of um, um, tickets, handbands. You have the ones that will take care of caps. You have the ones that will take care of tickets. There are so many things that are involved in the creative industry. For now, we'll have to give it to Lagos. Lagos, because we've been able... And let's not, let's not, let's not um, um, get it twisted. If you go to the creative industry today in Nigeria, 
more than 60% of the people who own the businesses who run the creative industry are from the East. When I say from the East, I mean proper Igbos are the ones who run the creative industry today. From A to Z, whether it is comedy, whether it is music, whether it is the movies, whether it is um, producers, what, just go and do your research. They are all Igbos. So what am I trying to say? The environment is important. The environment is very, very, very important. There are times when we would organize shows. Then in Babich, where you now have Eco-Atlantic, um, you know, it was mostly with Kenny's and all. Even the very first time, Olamide went to went for, for, for an event there, and he went to do Gragra, and they used bottle to stone him. He forgot when he sang that is any duro... He went to sing it at the Babbage. For many people didn't know the context of Eniduro. Eniduro was like abusive, like he's the number one and all. And they almost disrupted the event organized by Kenny's music. You know? So these are the things. We need to create events. You know? Hip-hop world. I know Mr. Ayo Animashaun. <clears throat> Nigizi. I know Kwame Kwame. When he all started. You know, I had my TV shows running on Kwame's Nigeria as back as 2007, 2008, 2009. You know, so all these people are people who have contributed to the industry, you know, because they are in a particular location. They are not in a particular location because that's the only location that is available. They're in that location because they were able, Lagos was able to create um, an environment that is friendly, you know, an environment that is welcoming. Just like I said, it's not as if we cannot do the same in the East. We can. We have the money bags, but we do not have the environment. Take, for example, Imo State. I look at Imo State and I think of Las Vegas, which is Nevada in the United States. Imo State is supposed to be a replica of Las Vegas. But just take an example. Take a flight from wherever you are to um, Oweri International Airport. You'll be shocked that it's like you're driving out from a forest. You know? These are the things. You know, we have very beautiful landscape. We need to create the environment first. When we create the environment where people are more relaxed, more secured, then we can now start creating events. Because events would also bring armed robbery. Events will also bring pickpockets. Events will also bring all manner of social vices. You know, what plans do we have to be able to secure the people who have paid money to come and have right. fun? All right. You know, we also have to also look at, okay, okay, maybe I'll, I'll you. No, you can, can yeah, to of course, um, you can always come back. And of course, I, I would like to have you um, again on this uh, platform, on this uh, ep uh, maybe next episode. Uh, what you say is very correct, and I agree completely with you. But if you look at um, the the historical perspective that has been given. Probably you did. You just joined us. Uh, we gave um, perspective on where we were, you know, where we were before and how we got to where we are today. Uh, you find out that there was actually a time where these things were thriving, and of course there was an, the same environment. And if you look at yes, it's no longer the same era, but what it means is that we were able to thrive at that time you know with our environment chime sullivan yeah sorry chime sullivan former governor of enugu state was doing very well you know with the um yearly events 
you know, was doing very well, but immediately he left, you know, everything. Of course, he's supposed to, it's that, yeah. that type of thing. Enugu have just been the only state so far. Yeah, that type of that roadblock. Yeah, roadblock. Yeah, that type of thing is not sustainable because it's run by government. And you know, governments cannot always be there. And you know, exactly. you know so you need, exactly. it needs, it needs a private, uh, it's supposed to be private driven. I have suggested some of the things I've been, sure. you know, been telling people, we need to have industry calendar. Right, we need to have industry calendar where, in all from January to December, there will be specific type of events: the fashion week, the comedy night events, the music festival, the dance. There's no more dance uh, activity or events in Nigeria. Have you guys noticed? And we have great dancers. Um, we have uh, the likes of X Felix, legendary. These guys were in Enugu. They were doing well during the morning. They are now singing. Are you, the dancers are now singing. Are you serious? <laughs> it is it's sad. No, we have we have a dancing competition. Um, except you're missing that. Um, Kafi. Kafi's dancing competition is there. You have Mortina Dancehall. When was the last time? When Martina was Dancehall is gone? When was the last time I watched? I can't remember the last time I watched Mortina Dancehall. Mortina Dancehall is gone. When was the last time you see? Well, I, I don't know. I'm not saying it's completely gone that nobody is dancing anymore, but it is no more on the on mainstream. You know, on our mainstream media as it's used yeah. to. The reason. The reason is, the reason is, I'm, I'm going to come from a brand point of view because I worked closely with all the. All the brands you can think of in Nigeria, from um, 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 what's it called, FMCGs to BI to telecommunications and all that, I work closely with them on sponsorships. One of the reasons why many of these brands, you know, pulled out from competitions like that was first because of the recession. That was one. Two, they had to cut down on budgets, and when they start cutting down on budgets, you know, they will start um, removing projects that they are supposed to sponsor. And sometimes, because of the people who own this content, cannot sustain it without sponsorship. And many times also, because um, in Nigeria, they don't have what we call proper planning. You know, their, their, their projects are not sustainable in such a way that if you get a sponsorship of 300 million, because I mean, there are projects that have got up to 500 million in terms of sponsorships from different brands. You know, they spend all the money in buying houses, buying cars. Then the next year, instead of them to be able to kickstart things, you know, they want a brand to come and take it up again to, you know, when you've not even signed a contract for like five years or 10 years. Even with that, there's an arbitration on that contract that the clients can say, you know what, I don't think we can continue, you know, with this sponsorship and you'll pull out. And also, it also depends on the type of PR strategy that is also put in place to sustain the momentum. You know, it's, it's what um, one of your speakers also talked about. It's about um, talent hunt. We need to talk about talent hunt. You know, it, it, just like you mentioned, there's fashion. You know, there's fashion week, um, something open in, um, um, what's it called? This um, hotel on um, Amadou Belo Way, you know, close to Silverberg. You know, they have that um, um, Lagos Fashion Week. Every yes, day, yes. You know, I remember. And it falls within within a specific um, time in a year. Yes. 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 It's around this time. It's around this time. You know, I remember when Lagos Fashion Week was just in a small hall in Oregon. You know, and from there, and people started making movies. Like all these children at Aluago now, when they make movies, we premiere it. We go to event center and we did them um, um, premieres and all. And you know, and now we now have cinemas here. Now, me, me, meanwhile, we have. Things we should be able to. Yes, meanwhile, we have Aba Fashion Week coming up. Um, very, you know, 
I think it's already scheduled. I can't remember the actual date now, but it is coming up. So we have to bear that in mind. And if you didn't mention it, eh? if you didn't mention it, I would Yes, if you didn't mention of it, course, I that's why I'm mentioning it. <laughs> yeah, because I know a lot of us uh, might not be aware of that. So, of course, we'll give it the necessary media um, attention that it requires. Um, we, we, they started the first episode last year, and it was great. Um, what I saw was very impressive. And this time around, I believe they're going to upscale that and make it better. So let's get back to uh, Chuka um, from where we stopped. Chuka, you listen to what he said, and of course what Ende Books um, has already said. Um, in in rounding up, um, I, I should say, um, what exactly do you think um, we need to do moving forward um, on this aspect, especially artists? Uh, you know, Again, I want to say something before you 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 come on. Um, okay, okay, this is just um, an episode that we are centering on music, right? The whole concept is about creative levels. No, I'm talking about the episode now. The 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 oh. series is the series is focusing series. yeah it's focusing on music. So we're gonna delve into other aspects of you know in creative industry. There are other aspects like comedy. There are a lot of them that we're gonna talk about. Uh, but for now, like we are focusing on um, on music, right? All right, so Chuka, um, um, back to what we, what I was asking. What is the way forward? How do we, you know, um, navigate around this? Look at the complaints. Look at the things he said, and it boils down to what you talked about: the discipline, the um, not following the process, and just focusing on the success. What do you think we sh uh, we have to do moving forward? I think that's one of the biggest problems we have. Um, in the music business is that we forget that the music business is done by the same business people. And our business, our business culture in this country has a problem. One of the problems we have is that um, we are used to, let me just start with what Okeke was talking about. One of the reasons why those events don't work anymore is not just because the, the sponsors don't bring money anymore, but because most of the times the costs of those projects are inflated highly inflated. Sometimes the project runs from 100 million to 300 million now. You know, and I don't want to go into details about that because it's, it's a business. <laughs> it's an existing business in Nigeria. And it exists in every sector. Pri private, as a private public, every sector in Nigeria. And that problem, that problem is, is endemic. It's killing, it's eroding the industry because when you're looking for money, you're not looking for money for the real cost of the project. You're looking for money that will cover your excesses, cover your luxury, cover the deals, cover the settlements that you're going to give to the guys that are going to give you the contract or give you the sponsorship or give you the funding or whatever. That's because we have built an industry that is more like entitled to sponsorship than doing business. One of the things that made the comedy industry start was that the man that started the business, I can't remember his name, the, the Knight of a Thousand Lives. The man that started that business worked properly with the stakeholders, people like Ali Baba, the, the, the guys in the comedy industry at that time. They worked together and worked out a proper plan and created a business that was able to sustain itself over time, at least for years, and then create room, create the platform for upcoming comedians. So it became a venture. It became an enterprise. Night of a thousand lakh, going around the country, like you said, an event that happens every year. 
in certain places. Now, because of that, it was easier for, if that existed today, it would have been easier for him to sustain it and even make more money because people will be willing to invest. Okay, this is how much you are making. This is how much you invest. This is how much it costs to run this event. And then, this is how much we are going to put into this business. And this is how much we're going to get. Is that going to work out? If it's going to work out, let's go. But today, if an investor wants to come in, you can't even give him the truth about the cost of your event because you have you're gotten used to running it on inflated costs. So if it's supposed to cost 15 million naira to run a particular event that will generate money, but because you're used to sponsors and your deals with your sponsors, you are spending 120 million naira. When the sponsors are not available and you want an investor, how do you discipline yourself to cut off the excesses and narrow it down to 40 or 45 million so that the investor can make his profit after the event from the tickets and every other thing that will bring revenue. That is a problem. So we need a mental shift. I'm just referring to what the people were talking about. We need a mental shift before we can actually resurrect and resuscitate that business of showbiz. Whether it is TV show or live show or, 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 or um, concerts, whatever it is, or tours, for it to work, we have to do it like a business, not like a deal. We've been doing deals. We need to go to business now and run it like a proper enterprise. And when we do that, the entertainment industry is going to attract investment just the same way the tech industry attracts investment into Nigeria. But right now, it doesn't work. Look at all the TV shows that used to run on TV, the competitions like uh, Nigeria's Got Talent, Nigerian Idol. They are all gone. Project Fame. Project Fame. They are gone because I'm saying this because I'm saying it from place of privilege. I, I, I used to get information about what's going on. Some projects were costing as much as a billion naira. Can you imagine that? And we know that that's not exactly what happens. And at the end of the day, even the guys who have signed deals, the contestants don't even get what they were promised. So the greed kind of eats up the business to the point that it can't work without sustaining that same pattern. And if that same pattern cannot be sustained by sponsors, everything goes up. Goes up. So if we want to really, really resuscitate the industry in that aspect, we have to go back to the drawing board and run it like a proper business. Just the same way the tech guys do. Do business plan. Do business strategy. Do your feasibility studies. Do your research. Then get investors. Show them. Maybe do one or two. Use your own money. Lose money. Run it successfully. When it succeeds, you have your evidence. It's in the media. It's on the internet. You have your numbers. You have your figures. Then you present it to investors. This is what we did. This is how much we got. If we have this and this in place, this is how much we're going to make. They will come in. People are looking for where to put their money in this country. But it has to be clear, viable, and sustainable. And the same thing applies to record labels. The reason why record labels in Nigeria suffer is because most of the times, people who are investing in record labels are not into music business. And they don't invest in people who are doing the business. They start the business by themselves. If we have a situation where we have a better organized structure, where you want to run a record label, you are not coming from out of the blue. Just like, okay, okay you bid in the industry. Probably you worked for a record label, and that record label as an A&R, or an executive, maybe you worked with Maven, 
or one record label for 10 years, this one for five years. So your CV is fat, your profile is fat, you have experience. Then you bring other guys who also have some experience and come together and say, we want to do this. It is easier that way to get someone to invest. And if the person is investing, you're showing him how the business is going on. So we have a business here. We have a startup here. This is how the startup is going to run. If it succeeds, once one succeeds that way, others will follow suit. That's how it works in Nigeria. Once anybody is able to do this successfully, others will do it. And the investors are also watching. If somebody, if my friend invests, let's say we're in America, and my friend invests in Nigerian record label, and it's bringing serious money after three years, I want to invest as well. That's exactly the same thing that happened in the tech industry. So we need to run it like an industry. And that's why I laugh when people tell people like Flavor to go and sign artists. Flavor doesn't want to do what he doesn't know how to do. It's that simple. I don't even think artists should be running record labels. Record label is not like selling fuel. It's a serious business. It involves a lot of things. And it's not something you do because you can sing. Maybe a, 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 an artist could be an executive producer in a record label, an executive with the record label, but he shouldn't be the one to run the record label. He, shouldn't be, he should use his clout to push the artists coming out. But he doesn't have to be the one to run the record label. Most people who run record labels are from the background. Look at the successful ones. Kenny's Music, Storm Records, Chocolate City. None of them was an artist. But they have artists who will bring out and push. And they have background information. They have experience in the industry. Kenny's Music, like I told you guys, what happened? Um, Obiasik had the same thing. Chocolate City, um, out my code, the same thing. This is a, Don Jazzy is another example. He's a producer, but he's a smart guy who took his time to study business. Coming from the UK where he saw how things work, it was easier. His partner, the band, also understands business. So that one knew what to do. But at the same time, the band left. He had to start again. Now, most of the times when a big artist um, is quarreling with a producer, there's this quarrel that the producer will say, I made you or stuff like that. And then the artist will say, if you made me, go and make another artist. You know. And then the producer will say, you, go and make it on your own. Let's see. It happens a lot of times. It happened between Jay-Z and Damandash. It happened between different artists in America. And John Jazzy proved himself by going to start a new record label, sign a generation of artists who succeeded at their level. Tiwa Savage, Ricardo Banks, uh, Godwin Guy. Yeah, after that, the next generation came. He succeeded. But the point is that he's not an artist. So it gives him opportunity to sit in the background and work on the business and also have uh, professionals work with him. And they're not, they're, he's not fighting, he's not having ego trip or ego fight with the artists because they are the ones in the front. You know, the only artists that are on record labels that we know, most of them are on record labels as independent artists. Who yeah. Just have one or two. two like artists. Mr. Easy. The only person uh, and he has a lot of, uh, he, he, has, he has a lot of uh, sponsors and collaborators. He's not even working on his own. Easy, Easy has understood that he, he has understood that you have to choose yeah, where you want to exactly. Be. He has stepped out of, out of the front. He's going to the background because he wants to be able to stay in the, this industry for a long time. One person that has successfully been able to manage both sides to a great extent is David Oni. Maybe because of the kind of person he is. He has been able to carry his voice. Project your voice more, Chuka. 
Okay, one of the people who have been able to marry the two is Davido. Davido runs DMB, DMW, and DMW is a successful record label, just three years old. He has signed a number of artists who are doing well, at least five artists who are doing well, and he has up to seven artists. I can't say, I can't tell how successful they are as a record label, but the results he's bringing out is amazing, and I, I really, 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 really admire that. But it's just an exception. Most of the times, what made it work is that he has a structure. He has professionals in his team who we don't see, who are in the background. Okay, okay, I might know some of them, but I'm sure he has people in the background who are working with him, who are doing the things he can't do, things he doesn't need to do, the paperwork, the planning, the PR, the branding, all that. While he and his boys are focused on the production aspect of the, the whole thing. But even at that, the real record labels that thrive for a long time and grow so big are not run by artists. So we don't need to be pushing, putting pressure on artists to sign, sign upcoming artists, no. Maybe they can run some kind of promotion in collaboration with promotion companies. That's also possible. For instance, if Flavor is doing a tour, a national tour, and it's going to go around the Southeast, they can say, okay, let us use this opportunity to promote the young guys coming out. So when he gets to Oka, some guys are going to open for him. Maybe our four or five guys will open for him before he comes on and takes his time for like one hour, 30 minutes or two hours. But before then, some guys will come up and show, show their talent. Then he moves again to Oweri, the same thing, to Enugu, the same thing. Just like when Pino had his concert, I saw the kind of exposure he gave to Enugu guys, and that was awesome. I don't know how profitable that was, but if it was profitable, I think it's something that should be encouraged. If if the artist can do that, that will make a, a big difference. All right. Um, thank you, Chuka. That was very impressive submission. Um, of course, we are rounding up now. Um, okay, okay, you are raising your hand. It seems like you have something to say. Uh, please make it brief so that we will um, come back to Chuka to round up. Um, but before you go, um, if you're just joining us, uh, please welcome to the Amigo. Uh, Amigo is a platform that is uh, showcasing the entertainment industry, creative industry from the Southeast. You can follow the page, check out what they've been doing, the interviews, um, the pre previous episodes from pre uh, episode one and two that we've done. Go check it out on Spotify. Um, check out their, pro um, their program or whatever they are doing on YouTube, Facebook, and of course, Instagram. Um, so let's go straight to Okay, okay, you are raising your hand. Please kindly make it brief so that you can um, do this within nine, maybe 20, in 30 or 9.34. So. Okay, can you still there? Okay, um, Chuka, can you hear me? Alhambra, I still have a question for Chuka, if it's, if it's possible. Okay, um, just make it brief, please. Okay, you know, with um, Chokout, it's on the, uh, you know, uh, um, sales of, of CDs. You, see, you, you, you think that in the Nigerian industry, that um, record labels should still be selling your CDs. You think the, the market is now up to the point that they don't need to sell, you know, have that hard part of sales again? Um, fortunately, it seems like uh, we have, 
Yeah. yeah, we have lost Chuka, and maybe you should keep your uh, question. Next time we'll connect with him, maybe in the next episode, you will table your question to him. We've lost him. I think he's no longer here. Um, any books? I'm sorry for that. Um, okay. Okay, okay. 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 Are you still here? All right, guys. Um, so let me just uh, round up so that we can conclude today because we were supposed to, we started very late. We were supposed to start by seven, but unfortunately because of technical issue, uh, we started by 7.30 and we only do this in two hours, right? So here again, here is what we are doing here. We are promoting in creative industry from Southeast. We're talking about the problems, the challenges, the issues that we are facing, the, looking at possible ways we can, you know, um, navigate around it and make it better. The things that has been done, the achievements that has, we have had in the past, we are mirroring that to you know to find out how we can do better in this generation. If you look at South East, South East is quite big. It can be compared to even Ghana. Ghana has a very big, um, uh, has a very good or somehow um, um, some level of uh, improvement in their industry, especially in music industry. They are also doing good, great in movie industry and. Ghana is not up to Southeast. So if we, if Ghana can get it right, we can actually get it right. And my position has always been that um, Nigeria is too big uh, for us to just have one outlet for um, content. We have, I, you know, uh, great um, content creators all over the country from different parts of the world, you know, country. Um, before now, we used to have Enugu thriving in the east. We used to have Jaws thriving in the north. We used to have Potakot thriving in the south and of course lagos you know doing so well as well so but now it seems like everything is you know um, emptying into lagos thereby shutting down other um regions where creative you know create uh, content creators you know used to explore and live there so today um and we are looking at how we can revive what we used to have before but the truth because the truth is that we used to have some sort of you know industry in the past and this is 21st century. So what that means is that we can we can actually create that enabling environment. We can do that. We can if we put our hearts together, if we put things, you know, what we need to put, we can actually create that industry here. And because you could see the the market is now globalized. It's no longer something that is limited within the southeast. Something that if you do great song, if you do great content, you can actually sell it beyond Southeast, and that's what matters. So um, we have Chuga back, uh, NA Books. You may want to repeat your question. Um, please do that briefly before, just do that very short. Okay, um, Chuga, I was asking um, if you think um, that regular labels in Nigeria should still be selling, you know, CDs, and um, not just depend on the, you know, on the streaming uh, platforms for for sales, what do you think? Do you think we still need or we don't? Oh well, how much is a CD? That's the question. How much is it worth? If it is one hundred naira, if you're selling it for one hundred naira, what value does that really bring to the business? You know, is one hundred naira really worth much? If you want to sell it for five hundred naira, good. Another problem is we have already eliminated the distribution system which is the Alaba, because we couldn't replace them with something physical. We replaced them with something digital. So if you're going back to the, are you going back to the Alaba guys, or are you creating your own? If you create your own, 
will it be sustainable? Can you run it? But the biggest issue is that um, people have to look at the profitability of whatever they want to do. I believe that the artists who are regional artists, artists who have, who have probably based in a particular region of the country and they niche on that region. Like say, let's say there's an artist who does songs like, um, what's the name of this female artist that used to sing with flavor that sings in Wawa language? Storm, Storm, uh, Stormrex. Okay, yeah, Stormrex, Stormrex. Let's say there's an artist like Stormrex in, in Ebony State and she sings in her language. She even raps in her language, you know. And she's not looking at selling much outside that region. I think it makes sense to make CDs, press CDs and just sell within that region. Why? Because not everybody uses platforms, smartphones. So people still use the normal flip phone or normal small Nokia phone. So those ones, for them to be able to get access to that kind of music, they will need to buy the CDs. But I haven't really looked at how much music is selling the CDs today. I think it's, it's, it's like asking questions like, when we are selling CDs, should we also sell tapes? People continue selling tapes when CDs came in, but the, the business dropped. So if they try it, if it works for them, if it's bringing money for them, fine. The most important thing is the profitability. But I, I don't think a record label of today making music for young people, mostly young people who listen to all these whiskey songs should bother about CDs. Why? Because number one, they don't have the financial power to do the mass, produ mass production and distribution. Number two, their targets are on Twitter. Their targets are on social media, Facebook, and everywhere. So they are going to listen to the music. And three, um, the revenue is changing. The revenue form is changing. The model of the business is changing. It's no longer just about sales. A lot of things coming, endorsement coming, even followership, the level of followership coming and there is something that the industry needs to seriously get into merchandising merchandising is is, is very important it's long overdue in nigeria when we begin to even rewarding chuka rewarding it's not even there there's nothing like platinum selling platinum in nigeria there's nothing like selling um gold in nigeria but this is, is this in south africa recognition yes Recognition, yeah. proper categorize. You know, this uh, we usually have this conversation. We don't have all these things. Yes, it's because we haven't really successfully built platforms that can do that. You know, we we have we are trying to evolve from giving people free music through music blogs to building proper platforms that will be able to show what is going on. Like, let me give you an example. That was one of the reasons why I started Global TV. I wanted to create... Yeah, increase your volume, Chuka. Um, increase your volume, please. Yeah, that was one of the reasons why I created Golibri TV. I wanted to do something that can project um, African music in an organized form. Give the listeners or the, um, the fans an organized access to African music. But there are many things that we have installed that are supposed to do what you're talking about. Creating... Um, 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 mileages, milestones, creating uh, um, kind of a hierarchy, kind of a, um, yeah, list the top 10, top 50, stuff like that. So you know who is actually doing well. You know who did 1 million views in one week on one day and all that. That is supposed to be part of the business because it helps the promotion. 
but we haven't come to that yet as an industry. We need people to come in, playing different roles, and the radio stations also need to do that. This is one area. I don't know what the radio stations are doing now in terms of shows, but we need to do that. You know, create something that can actually project and show people's milestones, like platinum, diamond. I see some on Twitter, but they're not necessarily Nigerian-based. They're just foreign um, platforms that are focused on Afrobeat. So yes, we need that a lot. But like I said, for the business, I think the business has left CD to an extent. If anybody wants to try that, it's, it's also good, but I think we should look at other ways to generate revenue in music beyond selling the music itself by leveraging on the followership. That's why I said merchandising is highly important. And that was, that's how the big stars in America become billionaires and multi-millionaires. People like Rihanna, Pop Daddy, Jay-Z, um, 50 Cent, they sell merchandise. And it can work. It's it's quite it's quite funny though, um, or should I say, interesting. Um, some of the big brother Niger uh, are you know superstars or these guys that came out from Big Brother. They usually have merchandise, right? But our music artists they don't have it. What could be the reason? Is it that they don't believe in it or they don't think it is necessary? Because um, it's, I think it's, it's, it, we have not experienced it. I don't think I've seen any artist that has done anything, to the best of my knowledge. Uh, Whiskey tried. There was a time uh, Whiskey so, showed out uh, his collection. I think he did that. Okay. All right. I, I think I think one, one or two. So why is it not very popular? Why is it not a very popular uh, culture in our music industry? Why is it not popular like we have in America, even have in South Africa as well? So, uh, well, um, unfortunately, um, Chuka is no longer here to answer that. Then um, we have just someone that we just added. Um, her name is, I can't pronounce her name, V9XI. Please kindly make your contribution and so that we can round up. Rose Flower, you just joined us now. Do you have anything to say? Okay. Um, all right, guys. Um, I think at this juncture. Okay, okay, do you want, you want to say something? I actually gave you um, room before, but you were not there. Um, please, kindly yeah, make it... All right, make it less than two minutes, please. Okay. Um, I think that, um, you know, we've basically highlighted the issues, you know, bordering um, us in, in the Southeast. And I, and I want to believe that one of the strategies, you know, to overcome issues is to create the environment. Um, also, I heard them um, Chuka talking about them um, sponsorships and all. You know, one of the things that drives sponsorship is not how good your concept is for an event. It is about traffic. Because whoever is sponsoring you, the sponsorship manager or the brand manager of the client or the product is looking at how much is he going to make and is his business targeting that market. So now we have to also look at brands that are targeting the eastern region, the eastern market. Take, for example, Hero. Hero, yes, you would want to say, yes, Hero is a brand that, um, you know, 
that we can look out for. Why is he always why is he always this hero? Why is he always that? Is that does it mean yeah, that's the only thing that we, we, we consume in here in the Southeast? <laughs> yeah, it's that because is that because um that's the only brand that is targeting the eastern markets. You know, would you want to say Indomie? You know, how many people, you know, the brand manager I know would not Duffield Food will not put his money in the eastern region, except it's a national um, 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 idea, you know. They won't put their money in the eastern region because of one event. But if you create an event, you know, in, in Lagos, for example, they will jump on it. You know, if you create a national event, they will jump on it because it's targeting children. You know, they are looking at consumption. Where are these brands consumed? These are the things that drive sponsorship. Also, one of the things that will help sponsorship, there's a difference between driving sponsorship and helping sponsorship, is to create the right environment. You know, when um, this administration talks about ease of doing business, you know, that's the concept. You need to create ease of doing business. You know, you invite people who have ideas. You know, people can come and set up a full open warehouse where they'll be shooting music videos in the southeast. It has to be strategically located. You know, you have to start encouraging young people. We need to bring in you know we can have in the in the five eastern states major big studios we even CNN, when they want to come and cover anything in in the in nigeria for example you know we would be marketing our studios telling them that we'll have this type of studio and you see that's why i talked about um, um emo state you know to also look at all these things these are the things that drive sponsorship and where right. our talents can be can be harnessed basically all right, thank you so much uh, for that. So, KK, um, on that final note, I'll bring in Amegu, uh, my co-host, to give us the final vote of thanks. All right, um, thank you so much. I I actually wanted to um, jump in on what um, Enebu, um, OKK, I believe, or was Enebu was saying just now about studios, because um, the studio thing has become um, a recent trend in Lagos. So you see the likes of clouds, um, I think clouds, and then you have Glitz Africa and all, offering their studio to firms like um, Afrima, um, all these award shows, especially during the lockdown, to come host their virtual events um, on their space. And then do the normal thing and Danny TV has been doing, which is invite artists to come around and perform live music. This is something that I, I, I was even discussing with um, Uche before this event. This is something that is lacking in the Southeast. So we do not have those studios that are projecting, doing what is happening in Lagos. Let these people come do the live show and then we push it online. We are not seeing them. And this has been a major concern. Uh, for us. So if we had such a space, we could say, okay, um, hip TV or all these international firms, come down, do your small thing, and then go. Okay, imagine, take for instance, Channel TV came down um, a certain time to host a governorship debate. They had to bring down all the equipment and convert a hall into a studio in order to have that governorship debate. I think it was during the last um, Anambra state governorship debate. And I feel this is something we should uh, continue discussing about. And once again, from my end, 
from Amigu's end, I want to thank everybody, Dalu Nurine, for joining us. Uh, we will continue to do our best to make this space um, a safe haven for these discussions and, and this um, distribution of ideas and all. It, it's amazing what has been going on here. We, we hope to continue having these uh, discussions. And more importantly, we hope to also be part of what needs to be done, to start doing something about it, to start uh, effecting these changes uh, that, that we are talking about. For instance, uh, in the last discussion, we were talking about creating um, support groups, maybe melting this down into WhatsApp groups or Telegram groups, so that we can, from there, start supporting artists. An artist is releasing a song. The person can drop it there. We can vet it. Tell the person, uh, this is this is what you need to do. This is what you, you need not to do. We can also help the person promote it on social media. So that by the time 50 persons, like I know we've had more than 100 persons join this conversation. So imagine when an artist is dropping a song and we have 100 persons Talking about that song, everybody will get to hear about it. So I, these are actions that well, we we all at Amigo would hope to start seeing uh, in the near future. And all. we will keep in touch with um, all of us and see how we grow up these ideas we've mentioned and uh, give it flesh and make it something everybody can feel. Thank you very much. Download the ring all right uh, on that note i want to say a very big thank you to chuka um chuka is the founder of uh, co-founder of uh, golibe tv uh, you can check it out it's on youtube it's everywhere um uh, social media chuka has been very supportive um in creative industry has been helping a lot of open coming artists creatives and um you can see that from of course you can feel that from what he has been dishing out today the nudets he has been dishing at. And I thank everyone who has been with us, who have been, you know, who shared this space and um, contributed. Okay, okay, I thank you so much, and the books and everyone. I want I want to thank you guys. Um, I hope you guys join us next time, next Friday. Keep a date with us and kindly go and subscribe to their YouTube. I may go check out the, the, the last episode, the, the, the last episode. It's right there on Spotify. You can go and listen to the things that we said, you know, very beautiful things that we said. And I'm sure you will enjoy it. Um, do this, and I will appreciate that. Um, Amigo, do you want to say anything? Um, fine, just... Yes, please. It's not just on Spotify. Uh, um, uh, Uche has been inspiring on. Yes, it's on Spotify. But we've made the conversations available on all music platforms. Um, Apple, Podcast, uh, Amazon Music, what Anchor, wherever you listen to your music, please. Um, Audio Mat, please go and listen to our previous conversations. We're also making them available on um, YouTube as well. So thank you very much. All right. Um, on that note, I want to thank everyone and say bye-bye. Chuka, thank you so much. And all of Thanks you guys. Yeah. All right. Um, no, no, bye bye, bye bye. <laughs> good night, good night, good night.